What's going on, everybody? It's your boy HD, and welcome back to episode five of Let's Talk Tech. And today we have our lovely guest known as Jerry. You may know as Rita Cyberboss on Instagram and Twitter. And today we're just going to chop it up. You know, I always show my black women to take some love, and that's what we plan to do. So first things first, uh, kind of tell the people a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Okay. Um, hey, everybody. I am Jaree, a.k.a. Rita Cyberboss. Um, a little bit about me and where I'm from. Well, I'm from Michigan, uh, born and raised in Detroit. Um, what else? 26. Um, I'm a business line risk manager at Ally Financial. I've been in the cybersecurity field for two and a half years, and I'm excited to be here today. Great, great, man. So, First things first is, um, so before you got into cybersecurity, what were you doing? Ah, uh, that's a, such a funny story. So when I went off Give to college- Give it out to us. <laughs> when I went off to college, I anticipated being a lawyer. Um, I'm like, you know, in high school, I was, in high school, I was a cheerleader, soccer player, but I could debate. Um, I was on a newspaper, the school newspaper. So I'm like, I'm, I I knew that I wanted to study law and journalism going into college. Didn't know what I was going to do with those two, but I thought they would be helpful. Um, and once I got to college, all of that went out of my head. I, I changed my major before it even solidified. I went there thinking, okay, law and journalism. Then it was just like a big smack in the face and you know, my school, like, you know, you can't do that. Like, those are two different things. So you need to figure out, you know, how to bring those together. Maybe you can major in one and minor in one. So then I went from, I couldn't really, like, I went to Central Michigan University and they didn't have like an official law program. So I majored in political science and philosophy. Why? I thought the two went together. Then I didn't like political science or philosophy. And at that point, I'm just like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do because I really want to study, you know, law and the criminal justice system. Um, so, you know, you have to take your prereqs and your general classes. I took this sociology class and I loved it. And it was a um, professor who was um, the main professor of the class. And he was like, you know, what do you want to do in life? I'm like, well, I want to study law. And he was like, oh, well, I'm the... Um, internship coordinator of the criminal justice program. And I'm like, I didn't know we had a criminal justice program. And he was like, well, yeah, that's because it's under sociology. So it was perfect because I had somebody to like help me get into that. And I already had was taking the classes. So I got into that. I majored in um, sociology with an emphasis in social and criminal justice. And then as I was going on, being a lawyer was still in my mind. And then I took this one class, HDF 100, which is the lifespan development and learn just everything about how we grow throughout life, our bodies, our minds and all of that. And my teacher was just really, really great. And I'm like, OK, maybe I want to um, double major in child development. Um, so I'm like, maybe I can be a family lawyer. So I, I did that for all four years. I got to my fourth year and I'm like, OK, I don't want to do law anymore. I want to be an infant mental health therapist, which is under the social work field. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so that I graduated and then I started working at Child Time Learning Center as a toddler teacher. Um, I wanted to move away from school. So I wanted to move back home. So that was the first job I got. Didn't pay a lot. <laughs> I only made 1050. 
And that was considered a lot for the people who worked there. But I had a degree. So they're like, oh, you have a degree. So you get to make this, which was crazy because they should have been paying me way more than that. But um, I didn't give myself no time right after undergrad. I hopped right into the social work uh, master's program at Wayne State University. I went through it for about two months and I'm like, this is not for me. Like I, I can't do this. I got uh, what you call, I call it post-grad depression, which I think is very real. When we graduate, you know, we, you know, we spend all this time in college, like, oh, this is what we want to do. And then when we graduate and things don't go our way, we just, we just not happy with anything. And like, I was depressed going to class. Like I wasn't failing. I had all A's, but I just, it, I just wasn't passionate about it. And I felt like in the classes, it was, I was like, a, I was like a, um, a outsider because I had such a different mindset. So I'm like, okay, this is not for me. So I told my internship, like, um, I, I want to withdraw from the program. Like I can't, I can't do this and I want to go somewhere else. And then I ended up, um, leaving that school. I finished the semester out and I left there. And then I ended up at University of Detroit Mercy in the uh, master's of a cybersecurity program. That's dope. Um, so you said something about a post-grad, uh, I'm finna butcher this word because my mind just went blank. Post-grad <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I really hadn't heard that, that term too much. Um, I don't want you to go like super deep in it, but like, Besides, I guess feeling like you was an outsider and other things about just not feeling the major. Like, how did you, did you, I'll probably like this. Cause like when I got laid off uh, years, well, a couple of years ago, and then when I finally started working again, I really didn't realize like I was a, a little bit depressed towards the end of everything until I came out of it and started looking at certain things going on in my life. So did you know then you was in post-grad depression or did you kind of figure it out once you started doing something you wanted to do? Um, I actually figured it out when I graduated and when I just hopped into grad school, like without thinking or anything. I, like when you get your, like whenever you go to school or go to college, you anticipate you spending all this money. Whether you went on a scholarship or not, you still spending four years of your life at a university to get an education so you can work. So I felt like I went through all these years in college and I didn't come out with nothing. Like I didn't feel like I was doing, I wasn't utilizing my degree. The only thing I could say is, oh, I have a bachelor's in criminal justice and child development. But that wasn't really getting me a lot of jobs. And it was like frustrating because all these jobs like, oh, well, where's your experience? But how I'm going to get experience if I'm in school and I can't work? Like, I I don't know how I was going to get that. So I was actually, um, and then going through the program, I saw so many different people who were just so excited to be in the social work program. And I just wasn't excited. I was just like, this is not for me. Like, this is just not me. And I looked it up because um, post-grad depression, it, I, it's not a real thing. I think somebody created it. And it's just really like when you graduate and you're not utilizing your degree, you don't know what you want to do anymore. You feel like you're not making enough money or you feel like you should have a job paying you your work. And it's kind of just like I'm I'm back to square one. I feel like I'm a freshman. I feel like I'm a high school senior just graduating, going into my first year of college. Like, that's how I felt. But it took I mean, even when I transitioned into the cybersecurity program, 
for the first three months, I hated it. I thought it was the worst program ever because I didn't understand it. I I had technology experience, but I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't get it. But I'm glad I stayed because it challenged me the first three months. But after those three months, I was I loved it and I didn't want to get away from it. I just wanted to keep going. That's what's up. It was funny that you um you said you mentioned about like kind of felt like a high school senior or you spent all your time in school and now you thinking about using your degree and stuff like that. And I think that's a big thing that people really don't talk about a lot. It's like low key. Some people feel like, you know, they kind of look at you. They'll never like verbally say this or vocalize this, but they'll try to say, oh, you know, you feel like you're better than somebody because you went off to school or something like that. And they are waiting for you really to not use it. Say, mm-hmm, you went to school for no reason. You back here with me and doing all this stuff. And that, and, and that take a toll on people because school is out of touch um, pretty much when it comes to talking to kids, actually like being real with them about, you know, man, we, we make y'all charging all this money, but, you know, we're not telling you, hey, if you don't get an internship, then you need to do this. You need to do that. This is how you're going to get your experience. They're not teaching that. And all they're doing is saying uh, pretty much most kids would be of the mindset of, of, hey, I got my degree, so you should hire me because I showed that I, you know, did our survival was able to pass. So why won't you hire me? And it's a disconnect with them because they're not understanding that the person you're interviewing with really don't care about that. They really want to know, can you do what you what this job service is doing? Of course, us saying, well, should I have to pass all these hard tests? Surely I can do it. And I think that's where one of the disconnects is because you mentioned about like, you know, how I'm supposed to get experience. And and that's a big one. That's a big one that I deal with um, with people when they kind of be clients of mine. And it's one of the things why I kind of talked about it a little bit in the blog post that I dropped, um, was it last Monday? Is, you know, how to work around that because, you know, these job descriptions, we know for a fact the real managers aren't really writing somebody with entry level to have five years experience and by that time you're senior level so man it's just a mess but mm-hmm. to segue into the master's of cybersecurity program what piqued your interest about it to go into getting a master's in cybersecurity and you started off wanting to do law and then social work so so what did you see some did you read some did you see some about some money what look what piqued your um, interest to make you want to do that well, my aunt has been in the IT field for over 20 years. So I've always been around technology. Um, I mean, she got me my first laptop at five. That's when I learned how to type and learned everything about it. So I've always been interested in technology. And then even when I was at Wayne State, uh, my internship, I was a research assistant. So I still had to spend time on a computer doing different formulas, using SPSS and all of that. So I still had some like still was in tune with technology. Um, but like, I know this is probably sound like cliche or cheesy, but, um, Law and Order SVU was my favorite show as a kid. And it is still my favorite show to this day. I watch it all the time. Anytime TV have marathons, I watch it and including the new episodes. Um, but like, I always wanted to be in law enforcement, but on the technology side, like computer crimes and all of that. But I never thought about actually doing it. And then, um, you know, when I was talking to my parents and my aunt, like, you know, what should I do? My aunt was like, well, maybe you should look up cybersecurity. Like, you know, she works for a um, 
for it. So she was like, well, that's really big. So, you know, that's the evolving field. So maybe you should get into that. And I'm like, cybersecurity. I'm like, that sounds hard. That sounds like I'm not smart enough. I don't know if I want to do that. And I ended up looking it up and I reached out to the professors to ask them. And it, I guess it made me feel comfortable because a lot of people who came into the program came from different majors. Like some of them came from um, cybersecurity as a bachelor. Some of them came from IT, project management, data um, analysis, history, criminal justice. So it was like I was going to fit right in. Um, So that's what kind of made me like apply. I got in. But. I got a reality check once I started the semester because like it was on a rolling emission. So even though I was starting my first semester in first class, I could be in class with somebody who on their third semester, which I think is a good thing because I had the help of my classmates to kind of like help me out. And like I grew throughout the program. Um, But I mean, I loved it. I And it just appealed to me because the person who was running the program, um, Dr. Daniel Shoemaker, he's like really a big name in the cybersecurity field. He's been in the field since they had to work on one computer. Um, you know, he's in pl- he's written plenty of books and he made the program for people who want to work during the day and then go to class at night. So I, I felt like, you know, we didn't have to go on campus. So before this was, of course, pre-pandemic, this was back in 2017 and 2018, but our program was fully online. So we had classes after work and we had group projects. It, it was just so much better than my undergrad experience. And then it just, I loved how we were still able to get an education, but still work too and try to get some experience. So I was thankful for that. Nice. Yeah. I like my master's program too, because it's not like undergrad. Undergrad got you going through almost like two and a half years of some BS of classes mm-hmm. that you either already took in high school or classes that don't matter that you're not going to use in your career. And then you finally get to the classes the last kind of like two years. And mm-hmm. from day one, I saw that, you know, all my stuff in, in grad school was going to pretty much be beneficial for me and um, definitely build a bond. You know, most of the time, grad, depending on school, most grad programs don't aren't super big and which makes it better because you get more of a relationship with the people that you see my, my grad program was hybrid. So um, sometimes it'd be online. Sometimes I had to drive to, uh, I was in Texas. So um, my, my school was in Irving, Texas. So sometimes I get off work and then I had to drive. Cause I noticed most grad programs, if you got classes, most of the time it's at night. Cause they most yeah. of the time expect people to already be working or something like that. And they're trying to finish exactly. school. So that was always a huge plus. Um, definitely. Uh, Team building and working on a lot of projects is like probably really, um, really heavily focused on when it comes to grad school. Um, we did a couple interesting projects. The one I always bring up is like the one I did probably like on Internet of Things. And then I had a, I think I had a class where we were doing something like reviewing a ticketing system. Like pretty much most of our stuff was kind of practical and it's mm-hmm. kind of things that I took out of it that I brought into, you know, my current position now. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about like, you know, some of the projects and maybe a project you're proud of that you did in your master's program? Um, So ours was a little different because we had each um, class, we had to use a model that we learned in there and apply it to a project. But I would say I'm proud of all of them, but I do have one that I'm really, really proud of. Um, 
we had to pretend that we were an actual company starting up from ground up, build out the cybersecurity program, build out the plan of the problem that's a that's you know hitting you. We had to do business plans, we had to do um continuity plans, disaster recovery, executive summary, um examples, uh, just everything. We had to do a lot and at first I'm like, do I really need this? Am I going to really do this? I'm glad that we did that because like I have I I have a little bit of project management skills cuz a part of doing those projects a lot of our projects was 27 to 30 pages long. So, I mean, you have to delegate those different tasks. Um, but I would say out of grad school, my probably my favorite project was um, I took a class on social engineering and it was the first time that they had ever did that. And um, we had to analyze different movies and pull out the cybersecurity and document it. And you never would think how many movies really display cybersecurity stuff. Um, and I had the most fun with that because I was able to like dig deep, explain the scene, tie it back to the terms we learned and everything. So I'm probably proud of I like I'm not probably I am proud of that. And um my next project, the other project we had to do, we had to do a we had to interview a company and build their plan out. And that's actually how I got into the cybersecurity field by having somebody help me on that. And um that that's an interesting story, which is why I don't regret we got time. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so when I talked about working as a toddler teacher, I was at Child Time Learning Center. Um, and they are owned by Learning Care Group and Child Time, Tutor Time, Everbrook Academies, Montessori, they're everywhere. Um, I was, I had been working there for maybe by this time, I was working there two years. And, you know, I'm like, this is just for me just to make some money. Like, I have no intention on climbing up here. If I do climb up, I want to be at y'all headquarters. And I always said that. And the headquarters was actually in Nova, Michigan, which wasn't too far from where I stayed at because I stay in the suburbs. Um, I stay in the suburbs of Detroit. So I'm like, okay. So one day, it's just so funny, just God working mysterious ways. One day I'm with my toddlers. We doing a hokey pokey. I'm entertaining them. And the president of our company walk in, but he's doing his, you know, um, him and a risk management person is going around. They trying to make sure all the rooms is right. And, you know, people were scared to talk to him. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying that his role is not important, but he's it's not like he's the CEO. Like, you know, he's a big wig, but I'm like, if he in here trying to talk to us, then obviously, you know, he's trying to show that he's personable, uh, which a lot of the right. leadership team of Learning Care Group was. So he was like, oh, um, you know, what is everybody going to school for? And I'm like, well, I'm going to school for cybersecurity. That's what my master's is in and whatever. He's like, oh, well, you you plan on teaching forever? I'm like, no, I don't want to. He's like, oh, well, um, you know, we have an internship program that we just started and I'm pretty sure we're going to need a cybersecurity intern. You, are you interested? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> like, in my mind, I'm like, hell yeah. So, but on the outside, I'm like, oh, I mean, of course. He was like, well, um, let me connect you with my senior vice president of IT and, um, you know, 
tell your boss to give me your information. I'll give her my information and email me and I will connect you. I'm not thinking that he really going to do it. I'm thinking like, you know, these big wigs, these corporate big people, they, these executives don't, they got other stuff to do. To them, I'm probably just a worker bee. So they probably like, oh, you know, whatever. But sure enough, when I emailed him, he emailed me back in like five minutes. And I got help on my project from the senior vice president of IT. And then um, like two weeks later, he was like, you need to apply. We we got it out here. I applied and I got it. So that 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 was my internship at Learning Care Group. And um I probably was like one of uh, at my center. I was like one of the people who worked there and actually moved up to headquarters because people didn't believe me when I'm like, oh, I'm going to move to headquarters. Like, I'm I'm not doing this. They like, yeah, OK. And then when it happened, they like, wow, we can't really believe you leave. And I'm like, well, I'm still going to be for the company. I'm just not going to be here teaching because that, that was never my passion. Of course, I don't regret it at all. Um, it did give me some skills. It gave me tons of organizational skills and conflict resolution skills. I mean, cause I had two teachers who, you know, I had to manage. So, I mean, you know, it gave me some, a little bit of leadership and management skills, but um, definitely going, I don't regret going to that internship, but I didn't end up staying there. And it of course had to do with my skin, but I didn't end up staying there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but look though, like, like Deontay Wilder said, you spoke and believed it and received it and you did what you said you was going to do. And I think a reason also, the reason why president followed up on that was you spoke up. A lot of people, like you said, were scared, but you was like, no, this is what I'm in school for. And you know, I'd be interested in doing that. And um, that's dope. That's really dope. Cause I always tell people like, it's just, I don't know. It's mostly, I found out like most of, everybody's journey into cyber has been different. And there's a lot of times it's almost like being at the right place at the right time. Sometimes like mine happened to be just leaving my one company to go to a hiring fair at this other company. And that's how it worked out for me. Yours was you was at work and you talked to the president and he was like, Oh, cool. Come intern for this company at headquarters. And that's pretty cool this is because a lot of times people on the outside look, looking in thinking that, you know, it's a lot of super smart stuff involved and a lot of things you got to do when sometimes it just come from talking to people and soft skills, which a lot of people in this field do not have. I, pe- I, I, I preach networking to everybody pretty much networking and um, doing the best job you can do at your current position because you never know who your manager or who your owner knows that'll be like, oh yeah, you know, this person is good. Like, if you're a friend of me, if my word says this, they're straight. And some people don't get that. So they BS sometimes in certain roles and they come back behind them when if they just what they're supposed to do, they be straight. And so I found out like this, this cyber world is super small. Um, we we'll find that out every day. Somebody I know is working at a different company. And it's like, yeah, I remember I worked with you there. I, you know, was involved with this team and you were doing this and work like that. Um, But briefly, uh, how long was your internship? And, you know, what did you take away from it? I mean, hopefully it's not one of the ones where it's like one of those bad experiences. But, uh, you know, tell My us internship experience was great. My um, employment following after that was awful. Um, 
I, I, I didn't have a problem working there because I had worked for the company. So I knew the company in and out moving up to the headquarters, just helped, just helped me. And that was a benefit. Um, but the, I guess the downfall to working for a smaller company, because I mean, the headquarters was only like 400 people. So the CEO, the CFO, all of those people, we can have lunch with them. We can walk up to them. We can walk past their desk. Like it wasn't like they were very approachable. So everybody was close there, but the cybersecurity department was only one person. And prior to me getting there, it had only been started for six months. But the person who was over it, she had tons of experience. She was a woman. She was Caucasian. And, um, you know, but she had been in, you know, this field since the 90s or 80s or whatever. Um, But my internship was great. I was learning a lot. I was doing um, I was running phishing campaigns. I was doing third party uh, risk management. I was doing vendor type of things, Um, you know, helping people decide, like, okay, are we going to bring this vendor into our and so our company reviewing stock reports, um, doing a lot of security awareness because because cybersecurity had just started there. I mean, of course, they had web developers and the cloud team, the application team and serving desk and engineering operations. But they had no cybersecurity. So just educating the entire company on it, just having fun with it, collaborating with other groups. I did a lot of that. Um, but I knew that if I would have stayed there, I wouldn't have progressed because I wanted to take certifications. I wanted to sit with people and shadow them and do those type of things. I was able to sit with people and shadow them, but I, I wanted my boss to let me like, support me in these classes, support me, you know, to get certifications. And, you know, it was like my internship was like the perfect day outside. Good weather is like the good analogy I like to use it to. Then when I got hired, it turned into dark and cloudy and gloomy every day. So it's like that's my analogy for it. But like I mentioned earlier, um, I ended up leaving there because I felt like they they were just not ready for a young black millennial to actually do a job. I was just like. That I probably never felt so low in my life. Like I never had to, me and my boss went back and forth every day. It was almost like I hated coming to work because it's like, huh, I got to deal with you going back and forth. I can't do my job effectively because one, I don't want to talk to you. And she was just, she didn't like change. Like she didn't like change. She wanted stuff done her way. But what she failed to realize is this is not the nineties. And at this time it was 2018. So Cybersecurity, it it used to be called information assurance. It is cybersecurity now. The way you used to do something, it might be done differently. And she felt like, well, you're in school, you don't have any experience. And I'm like, you right. I'm gaining the experience, but I can get stuff done a different way than you can. Like you're not giving me a chance. So we went back and forth, and you know, we tried, we tried all of the training stuff that HR recommend. Sit together. We took a Myers, we took a Myers Briggs assessment to test our personality, and we went through so much. And then she put me on a PIP. Uh, she put performance um, what is improvement it plan. Yes, performance improvement plan. So she put me on that. So I knew once I got put on that, I'm like, I need to start finding another job. I never been fired from a job. And I'm like, I'm definitely not about to be fired. And I just got into the cybersecurity field. So, um, you know, just that for me was really 
really discouraging because I didn't have anybody to talk to. I wasn't a part of no groups where I could, you know, get mentored. Um, however, I did go to a conference and the, the world is so small. A woman who worked at my job, who worked in the HR department, her niece was in cybersecurity at a different company. And I ended up meeting her at the conference and she'd been my mentor ever since. But I, I vented to her. I started to vent to her a lot to, you know, let her know what happened. But that probably was the worst experience ever and which made me, which pushed me so much in cybersecurity because I was literally like kicked out of my job. I wasn't aggressive. I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't like rude or anything. Like they pushed me out. Like I was just nothing. Like I didn't mean anything. Like I was supposed to work the full day. My manager did not, did not let me work the full day. I actually put in a two weeks notice and they didn't like that. So, um, because my professor, everybody just, for some reason, loved my professor. So recruiters would meet with him all the time and he would just get him a list of names. And one of and my name came up and I ended up um, actually during my internship meeting one of the recruiters for lunch. And, you know, he was like, you know, what do you want to do after your internship? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I want to stay and, you know, try to build here, build my career here at least two, three years. He like, well, you know, keep keep my name in your back pocket in case you ever need a job. I'm glad I did because I reached out to him and he was like, you know, we got a role open. Are you interested? And I said, yes, I need to get out of here before I get fired. And, um, you know, I remember packing my stuff up. Well, I, I cleaned my desk slowly each day, so I didn't have to take a lot of stuff out. Um, and I remember the last day I got called into the senior vice president IT um, office. And he was like, well, you know, basically, like, you can go. You know, he didn't apologize. He he didn't, you know, say that um, my boss's behavior was bad. He was just like, well, you know, um, we would rather you go and we would pay you. Like, he ain't apologize, wish me good luck. He ain't do nothing. He was just like, yeah, you can go. I'm like, okay. Got my stuff and, you know, I'm sitting down trying to, like, you know, say bye to people and my boss following me. She, like, give me your badge, doing all of this stuff. And I'm just like, just leave me alone. Like, now you harassing me. I will never, like, I forgive the situation, but I will never forget that. And, like, you know, I would never want to work with her again because she, to me, I felt like she was racist because you didn't act like that with your, you know, with our white colleagues. But when it came to, like, Black people, Black males, and Black women, you had a problem. And it wasn't that many of us in the IT, on on the IT floor at the time. But I took that as a learning lesson. I left. I enjoyed me a nice two weeks. And then I started working at Ally. And that was the best decision I ever made. That's a a lot to unpack right there. Because (laughs) at first, I just was going to say, and I I wasn't going to be the trying to be like sexist or nothing where I'd be like, like, you know, two women working together or whatnot. But that is one of the reasons why I've seen that. Like, I don't always see like in these fields, I don't always see a lot of women working on the you know same field because of, I'll just say maybe nature, a lot of cattiness sometimes, a lot of passive aggressiveness, um, personal stuff, getting in the way of getting stuff done where, you know, sometimes if you have, I'll say a solid male leader, that stuff tends to sometimes I have like, you know, they can have issues, but at the end of the day, this is what needs to be done. It's a respect thing there. And, but I've also witnessed that, you know, in these areas is like, you know, our black sisters don't really get 
you know, treated most of the time like they should. You know, sometimes people just do any type of way because, quite frankly, they feel like they can and they can speak up for themselves, but people tend not to really care too much. They only they care know. if somebody else comes to like maybe their defense and says something or brings up to their, you know, attention. Yeah. And you know what was interesting? Like in my exit interview, I could have, I could have trashed her. I could have trashed her. I wanted to really badly, but I'm like, I might want to come back to this company one day, even though I never will. Um, they would have to pay me a lot of money to come back there, especially if she there. But I'm like, you know what? I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna talk bad about her, but I'm like, you know, I'm gonna just let my work prove it for herself. And she's gonna see my name. Like she's gonna see all of these things that I've done. And um, it's a funny story. I actually saw her because uh, I, when I started working at Ally, I was parking downtown um, at a place called Kobo, which is like where people have different conferences and all of that stuff. At. And she was there and she didn't recognize me. I didn't say nothing to her. I didn't want to say nothing to her. I'm just like, I'm good. But it's a funny story that you talk about, like, you know, when you have a a dominating like male figure, you you know, women probably work best with. I actually ended up having the same problem at the company I am at now with a person that I used to report to. Initially, we didn't start off like that. But, you know, the first I went through like three bosses when I first got hired. And it wasn't because like, you know, it was just people were getting like promoted or moved or whatever. And the first guy that I worked with was just amazing. He was super impressed by my resume. And I didn't even have a lot, but he was just super impressed. And he hired me on the spot. I was with him for three months and then, you know, he just had a lot on his workload. So then the job I was doing, they moved to a different guy and that guy um, will just, will just initial. His name is MK. MK was a different type of leader. He did have my back. He motivated me to do stuff, but it was almost like when, you know how you build somebody up and you, you, it was almost like he built me up and then now he was trying to tear me down. He didn't like that I was starting to get more attention from leadership than he was. And we started being like, I want to say caddy. It was like, damn, am I working with a woman? Because why are we arguing every day? And I said, look, I'm not going through this again. I, I will tell my contract house to move me before I go through this again. Because I still was hurt from leaving my original company, because I didn't want to leave there. I had grew with that company, so I didn't want to leave there. I was forced to leave. I had to quit because I didn't want to get fired. So he was just like, he just started to become negative and, you know, we would be arguing and people would start to notice. I don't like when people notice stuff because that's, to me, that's ghetto. It's ghetto. Anybody can be ghetto. It's unprofessional. And I don't like that. I don't want somebody coming up to me like, yeah, I heard y'all arguing. No, like, I don't like that. So, cause that, st- I wanted to be hired in. I, you know, so I'm just like, okay, I'm leaving. Like, I'm going to leave. So, um, I'm in a sorority and one of my sorors at the time, she became a, um, audit manager at a bank and she like, I'm building a team, come interview. I ended up getting a job. Um, I got the job and they paid for my training and then I had, not the not MK that I was reporting to. He was like, oh, you should leave then. Like he was just real negative. He ain't want me to stay. Like he was just, he had was going through his own personal stuff at work. So he just was bringing that down on me. But I did have an amazing person and I'll just 
um, PV. I'll initial his name is that. And he didn't want me to leave. He researched the bank I was going to and he just laid it out to me like, well, we can offer you this instead of that. And he fought for me to stay. And I thank him, PV, for fighting for me to stay because he is the reason why I am the way I am at work today. I ended up reporting to him. MK ended up moving to a different business unit within IT. And I took over his job. So I took his job. So PV, because of him, he built my leadership skills. I got two certifications. I just, I I got so much better as just a leader, as a worker. And he was a male and he, he was the best boss I have ever had to this day. Like he's the best boss ever. And I guess, you know, you know, when you work in an organization, sometimes there's changes, things go on. He ended up getting promoted to a different person's team in IT. So now I report to a senior director and she's a woman and we actually think the same. And it's the total opposite from my last situation. So I think that, you know, it really has to do with the person's leadership style. Like, what kind of leadership style do you have and how can you benefit off of your workers? Like, she's more of a, we're more of the same. Like, we're dominant, but we want to understand why. We want to know how we can help you. We don't want to take over. We want to collaborate. And that's what my new boss, she is all about. Like, she don't micromanage me. She's just an amazing leader. Um, But, you know, just going through that, going, just going through the corporate America life, it just made me feel like as a black woman, I don't see enough black women in church. And that, that just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, man, you, that's a lot. It's funny when you said that about the, um, the one manager that was being petty and getting upset that um, you pretty much are getting more attention than he was uh, reminded me of, I actually, well, I have a sample of the 48 laws of power. In the first chapter, they actually talk about like kind of like not outshining the master. Only and it's only because of like you'll reach the heights like you plan to if you don't. And some of the dudes are sensitive or insecure. So that guy fell into one of the, you know, being insecure. I mean, if he just focused on what he was doing, he'd be okay. Um, but I agree with uh pretty much everything you said. Like right now, uh my manager right now is like, you know. Best manager I ever had. Shout out to Ashley. Ashley, if you're ever hearing this, you know, best manager <laughs> I ever had. Uh, she happens to be a woman. She happens to, have to be, a, she actually happens to be a white woman at that. Um, and this is funny, but like the, we started this, I've been on this job almost three years and she started a little bit after us, but I was doing nights at the time and she came in and at the time, uh, Drake Scorpion had just dropped and she was in there listening to Scorpion. So I was like, <laughs> I, I might like her. I might like her. And uh, sure enough, um, we did. And like, she's been the person that's always like fought for me and um, mm-hmm. pretty much always got me the most uh, raises every time it can do like the ACR every year. So um, shout out to Ashley about that. And then I like what you brought about, about leadership style because in uh, what was that? Dang, that's crazy. This I'm in, I did literally how you said by hired on the spot, I did this one interview process where everything happened within a week it wasn't no screen this week and then oh next friday we're gonna do this interview and that night everything was fast so let me know they really wanted me but it's funny that you say that um my position was for a lead and i kind of instead of like just doing a whole bunch of trying to make you believe what i say i just gave them uh, an example of like my lead style my leading style and uh, i'm pretty much saying like 
I'm the person that's going to do it first. So people fall behind, you know, fall in line instead of just dictating what you're going to do. And that's kind of helped me in like all these interviews. If it's been for a lead position, because they was like, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Because don't nobody want to work for somebody who always just trying to tell them to do something down there doing it. Like you got at least you got to at least be a leader and do something first. And then people are like, oh, well, shoot, they up this high and they can they can stay late, you know, and, and do this. Why can't I? And that's kind of the mentality that, you know, I use when it comes to leadership. I'm a doer instead of just telling you what to do. Unless I got a whole bunch of do, I'll still show you how to do it. I'm just not one of them dudes while like the delegate task. But that's real cool. So I remember you pretty much said that you do risk management. Can you um, put in layman's terms, what is risk management? Um, yeah, so at my job, I'm a business line risk manager, and um, it actually, <laughs> basically, um, within IT, how we met, like, we, we, we think fast forward, so we created a team of individuals who would represent each business unit and help them manage um, the weaknesses within their business unit to help protect them from um, being hacked into. So I work for the infrastructure side. <laughs> so we have a lot of COTS applications. Um, we have a lot of infrastructure vulnerabilities because as we know, Qualys is not the best tool, but still, you know, and you're never going to not have vulnerabilities. And, you know, we just being the infrastructure, we just have a lot to watch out for. Um, and I mean, just internally, we have audits and we have um, different application testing, asset testing, so things like that. So I'm like the liaison between the business unit and the cybersecurity um, business unit to better, you know, I'm taking the cybersecurity best practices and letting my people know this is what we should do. These are the standards that we should follow. This is how we should manage risk. Um, when I first got this job, I was just a person helping and when we talk about being like leaders, I thought I wanted to be a leader. And I'm like, no, this is like too much work until this job actually fell in my lap and I had to just do it. Um, I thought I was doing like a two, three person job. But, you know, my boss was like, you know, you do an amazing job. I don't know how you do it, but you do an amazing job. So she was like, you know, that makes me think that this is a one person job. She like, but maybe it's because like, you know, nobody is like you. You know, I'm I'm I do a lot of different stuff and I try to make it easier for people. Um, but yeah, I that's what I kind of do. Um initially when I got there, I wasn't planning on doing that. I wanted to be in vulnerability management and you know, security awareness. I wanted to be on the cybersecurity side, but I saw that as you know, my foot in the door to grow from a different side, because I'm still in IT. I still have a, I'm just like, I have a, a a governance type of role, which has helped me in so many different ways. Cause I can, you know, I can't use my certifications like hands on, but I can take the knowledge that I took from there and help my owners. And I can think like, you know, I have the um, CHFI and the CH. So I can think like those people who trying to tinker and let my owners know like, well, Hey, if you don't patch this, this is what can happen. So it's easier for me to kind of explain it to the technical people. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Like, I deal with vulnerability management. I deal with audits. I deal with the federal audits. 
I deal with the um, risk teams, the testing, the, you know, just kind of keeping us together and making sure that we educated on our risk management. And, um, you know, just, yeah, I feel like I do a lot more, but that's all I can think of. No, no, no. But I was going to tell you, I mean, even though you say you're telling not in cyber, I think in another company, you probably would be because this fits yeah. cyber. It just I always tell people it depends on like how the company's structured because anything with governance, anything with mismanagement is cyber related. You, you threw up and qualities. And it's like um, our, <laughs> the way our IT is set up, we have different groups, different business units. The cybersecurity side, we call it IPRM. The governance, the standards, the 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 way we do risk management is all over there. They are the ones who created the BLRM roles, um, and they just decided to put one person, designate one person in each business unit, so that way we can come back to them and tell them what's going wrong. How can we do this? Like, so I work with cyber, like with the cybersecurity team a lot. Um, <clears throat> but I like to say that I feel like I work on the infrastructure side, and that's a pretty damn hard side to work on the infrastructure is the heart of the company if anything happens like you know without us we the company wouldn't run smoothly so you know i'm glad for my experience and this setting me up for other stuff you know i don't want to leave my company anytime soon i don't think i'm done there yet um i want to you know i don't i don't I don't think I'm done yet because at first I never understood why people stayed at this company for so long, but they have really good, they have a really good culture. They want to promote within. They want you to volunteer with different groups. They want you to shadow different people. They want you to have mentors. They want you to have growth opportunities, career growth opportunities. They want you to learn. They want to invest in you so you can be the best employee you can be. I mean, just how even how they've been handling the whole um, COVID-19 situation working from home. They're not forcing us to go back back into the office right now. They're giving people options. They're taking their time. Like, I just now I understand, like, okay, this is why people don't want to leave. Like, you know, but, you know, I still haven't found a company where I'm like, oh, I want to work here forever. I haven't found that yet. And I mean, I'm still young. I'm still learning. And I feel like, you know, as I get to a company and I can progress or whatever, or even if I stay at this company and progress, that's on me. But I feel like right now, all I care about is that I'm learning and that I'm trying to stay consistent and I'm trying to gain more experience for the better. Right. And I was just really going to message you because I was like, well, I remember when we were talking a couple of months ago, you were singing another tune, you know, you were singing bye, bye, bye. Yeah. They, somebody cleaned up their act. (laughs) I had somebody for me, but I mean, it's just like, since then I've done so much work. I can't just up and leave. Like, you know, I feel like if I would tr- if I would try to leave, they'll be like, are you sure you can't stay? Like, they'll try to say, like, are you sure? You know, because I feel like I'm doing damn good work. And, you know, it's going to be hard to replace me. Realistically, I would want somebody. I would want to hire somebody. Let me manage them. Let me teach them. And so that way, if I do move to a different side or I do move to a different role, they can take it over. But that's well far down the line. I don't know. That's what's up. I mean, so early on into your career, like, you know, you in a good, well, I can't say, 
I'll say now it's a good situation because you know every situation start off a little different. Um, for me, you know, I feel like that too. I think the reason why I think most millennials don't. It's, I think it's hard for us to fathom being like, you know, our grandparents and all of them to to work somewhere like 20 years, you know, 20, yeah. 30 years. I, I think we're just a, a different generation to where, you know, I think I'm going to move around a couple of more times and then either have my own thing going or maybe get like like one of those government jobs. And, and that'll be like my retirement job. because You know, you don't really get fired from those. You just it's the same thing. It's easy. But um. You said something that I wanted to uh, to mess with you about. Um, well, I know you. So you have to do it like a lot of the plans, like the contingency plans and the thinking about it's a whole bunch of risk words. Like I know one that I always remember that comes to my mind is like risk appetite, and um, I think it's risk acceptance, and and it's some else. It's like a whole bunch of other little words that have to do with risk that mm-hmm. I think that you are involved when when it comes with the infrastructure side for us like when you're writing out these plans because i'm pretty sure you became a great writer oh doing all yes. This crap. uh yes so um at my company we have what you call security issues and security exceptions and um with a risk treatment of accept or remediate and basically exceptions are when you are going when you are breaking our standards you need to document why you are breaking our standards. I'll use, for example, um, my side, my business unit. Web application vulnerabilities are like our worst enemy. Vulnerabilities as a general, like we have to rely on vendors to fix to give us patches to fix the vulnerabilities. So sometimes we don't meet the um, we don't meet the timeline to remediate these high, medium, and low vulnerabilities. So we have to document a security exception and say we're going to accept it. We're going to still patch. We're going to still do our compliance scans, but we're not going to be able to fix these immediately. And even if they, even if, you know, because the way that vendors patch, the way that they patch is different than how we patch. So the timeline is always off. And then like with security issues, those are typically um, identified by our risk, um, our IT risk, our, our internal audit or our compliance teams who identify gaps that need to be addressed and need to have higher visibility. So they have security issues. So I, I manage that entire issue and exception portfolio for our business unit. Nice. Um, so let's get into, now I heard you say one of my, my favorite shirts to talk about, and I'll give context to why I'm going to talk about one of them. Um, I don't know what that was outside, <laughs> but um, CEH, and I only give context into CEH when it's uh, regarding someone who thinks they're going to take the test and then they're finna go get a red team role just because they got CEH. And that's the only time, that's really more so with the time when I would talk bad about it because if it's supposed to be a red team cert and you think you want to be an actual hacker just from having that one cert, you would like for it. I know when I took it, it pretty much was uh, multiple choice, regardless if it had like drawings or simulation things. But you, you know, prefer for it to be a little bit more practical. But if I remember correctly, you told me you actually did the trainings with your EC Council certs. Um, yeah. So before I even got the CEH, I was never thinking about it. I got the CHFI, which is the Computer Hacking Forensic Investigator Certification. Um, my um, thesis or 
mini thesis. I forgot that I have a published article out there on Google. Um, I wrote on cyber criminal profiling because I wanted to bring my criminal justice and my cybersecurity together. Um, so I'm still very interested in cyber criminal uh, profiling and just studying the mind of a cyber criminal and why people do the things they do. Like all of that stuff is interesting to me. Um, so I'm like, well, that's the first certification that I want to get because I, I eventually I'm going to want to be in that type of role. Um, so I got that. And the person that I had, um, Eric Reed, he, um, and it's a funny story. He's actually, he used to be in the technology field, but now he teaches all of these different certifications. Um, but his training, it wasn't just us studying. Like we talked about real life examples. We went through stuff. He showed us how to do it. Cause I think the problem that people have with the training, you're just looking at a book, which is why I don't believe in self-paced training. I just don't, I'm not that type of person, but being in a class with other people who are doing this job or learning how to do it, or just like me, it was perfect because we, we, you know, we have all of these different labs and, you know, he's showing us and we get to try it out. He encouraged me to take the CEH. I never planned on taking the CEH. I'm like, I don't want that certification. I'm like, cause I'm probably not going to use it. And I'm like, but you know, okay, I'll get it. I ended up taking a different class with him and everything that I learned from the CHFI, I could put it into the CEH because people actually take those two um, simultaneously sometimes or right after. But I feel like with certifications, I think that people should take their time. You don't have to do certifications immediately. I, I hate when people say, oh, well, just get a certification. That doesn't do anything because do you know how to do what they're saying in the certification? I worked for two years before I even thought about getting a certification. And yes, even though I haven't used either one of my certifications, I still brush up on those skills. I still do things so I can keep my certifications. So that way, when I'm ready for my next two, because I have two more I want to get, I'm going to be good. I mean, you know, everybody just don't immediately chase the CISSP. I just got interested in that and I'm still not looking forward to it, but I still want, you know, I want one more before I get to that one. But I feel like with certs, I really feel like it depends on who you're being taught by and, you know, how to actually put it into put it to work. Some people just get it just to say, oh, I'm certified. But I don't go around calling myself a certified ethical hacker. I just say that I hold I hold these certifications. Yeah, I um, just to touch on. You're on mute. What about now? Okay, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I got this Bluetooth keyboard. If I don't press it for a minute, then it had to wake up. But anyway, I, I agree with you and then I disagree. Like I am a, I could probably do classes, but I like self-paced too, as long as it's an interesting instructor and we are doing labs. So like, if it's not the biggest cert, but it's like an entry level cert with the, AWS cloud practitioner. That's one I did, but I was able to go through with his lessons and say, okay, you know, go to your AWS environment. Let's do this, this, and this. So that is one of the ways, but I get, you know, uh, different people require different learning things. Different people probably require both like in class and online things. Um, but I definitely agree with you when it comes to the cert thing. Uh, I had a client today and he, uh, first thing he mentioned was like sec plus, but he heard well, I'm about sec plus, but he technically didn't know what role he wanted to do. You know, it's nothing wrong because it comes from a whole different field. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was like, well, first things first, we need to discover to make your path. We need to discover what role you want to do. Once we discover what role we want to do, then we want to look at those roles and see what type of skills, you know, those have. Now, I was saying, I'm not saying don't get a set plus, but it's more important to know how to do the stuff that the roles entail than just chasing the cert because it doesn't show anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, most of these people out here now, you know, are doing e-learning to where they get money from you coming to do their cert class and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm not hating on them, but some of them aren't in the industry. So they just like, yeah, get this cert, get this cert, get this cert. I was like, it, it don't mean much. I mean, you know, people studying for a week or two and getting set plus, it don't mean much. I mean, what did you really learn? You know, I had uh, another guy I talked to and um, it's not talking about them. It's just like people get bad advice because the people that they're getting advice from either don't know what they're talking about or they just getting it from offline. And they had got, I forgot what, how many different certs they got within six months. But I was like, I'm, that's cool. But within six months, I know for a fact you don't really know how to do that stuff. It's similar to like being in college. We know when you're in college, like, Unless you're using that stuff every day, you learned it for that semester or whatever, and then you kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I, you know, attribute to certs of like, you know, take your time. Now, if your job requires it, cool, go take it. But focus on labbing and, and knowing the skills, then you'll be out there. You'll be better off in the job market. You won't be just saying, oh, it's so hard. I got this. I'm like, I'm like, it's coming from a person that all they have was said plus, you know, in their degree, you know. Granted, with Hilton's experience, who didn't really even know how to get where he was doing, he just had to just get it out the mud and hopefully, you know, land something. And that's pretty much one of the, the uphill battles that we're fighting. And we also got the freaking boot camps that are becoming more and more expensive and, you know, prompts of people they're going to get jobs afterwards. And I'm like, you know, it don't really work like that. Just be careful before you go spend all that money on a, on a boot camp. You know, especially make sure it's an interactive one, not where people just threw up slides and you're reading off of it. Kind of like sometimes some of the classes we did in college, it don't it don't benefit. Uh, it really don't benefit you that much. So. um, You've been at your company for a while. How uh, let's do this, because I'm a man, so my interactions are different. How do you feel your interactions with your contemporaries are? being a black woman, um, do you feel respected or do you feel like sometimes they feel like you don't know what you're talking about or um, how do you feel about that? I more so felt like it was my age. They felt like I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't have no experience because I'm young. And um, I'm like, first of all, you don't know how old I am because black don't crack. That's number one. Number two if I'm telling you something, that means that I know it. I'm not going to bug you or educate you on something that I don't know about. I was hired to do a job and so were you. So I would appreciate if you just respect what I'm saying. It took me a while to get the respect that I do get. Um, I But I still get the question. I just wrote about this a couple of weeks ago on a blog, um, the blog for merch, just being a woman being a black woman in this field and I hate being asked about my hair. Do not ask about my hair. I don't ask about yours. So do not ask about mine because you're not going to understand like my hair natural right now. I got it pent up until like whatever, but that's because I just want to do that. I might have it slicked back one day. I might have weave one day. I might come to work ball one day. Like I did. I came to work ball one day. 
but that's just because I wanted to. I don't need you to question why my hair is like this or why I'm dressed like this. I still dress in a professional manner, but I can't help that my clothes fit me because I have a black woman's body compared to my counterparts who are white. So it's just like little stuff like people try to make you stick out or like people think that like, I mean, a big thing that I noticed like when Trump was president. If you think that I'm going to sit in a meeting and not disagree with what y'all saying, do you have another thing coming? They don't understand. I'm like, y'all so for this man, but this man disrespects women. He he was disrespecting our race. Like, you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't disrespecting other races, but I'm like, all y'all in here are white and I'm black. And you want to sit here and talk about Trump and we should listen and all of that. And I'm just like, I don't have to, you know, like, or people think that you just can speak for every black person in the world. I can't speak for every black person in the world because a black person who work at my job might feel different than me or we might feel the same. But I feel like now people, you know, I put the work in, I help them. They get to know me and they're like, OK, you know what? We do respect you, you know, and they don't care about, um, you know, they don't care about how I look. But I mean, like I said earlier, I don't feel like enough black women are in leadership. And I feel like a lot of the times I have to work harder than if I was if if somebody who was my same age and was white, they might be a little bit further than I am. But I'm still going to do me because, like I said, can't nobody do me like I do me. And I just feel like with black people, we are excellent. We are empowered and we are the reason why cybersecurity is pushing forward. Yeah, I like to um, definitely comment on that. Um, I know I remember. I'm exactly like I'm an old head, but I remember like I mean, granted, help this. I think I got. I think I was doing help this at what, 22. Yeah, I was doing help this at like 22. So I used to be like one of the the younger guys. Dang, you're young and this and that. Now I've transitioned to finally not being the young guy. Granted, I ain't 30 yet. I'll be 29 and uh, what is it, six days? Yeah, I'll be 29 six days. But I, I definitely understand that. Um, I've always came in to work. Like for example, it's funny. The first day of this current position, I came in, I had like a polo, slacks, and I had my I had my polo tucked in. And um the dude, he wasn't my manager, he was over the engineer. She was like, Yeah, well, you know, you probably military. I was like, nah. I mean, I just no, nah, I you know, your first impression, like, you know, as a black person, you know, most of the time it's kind of most like everything. It's like, you know, I'm finna break all the norms that you think you know about us and it was just funny, like that somebody would automatically go to. I had to be in the military just because I had my shirt tucked in. Uh, that was funny to me. And mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I mean, political stuff at work, I kind of don't talk about. Um, you know, if they talk about, they can talk about it with themselves, just because I, I don't really care. I don't get into all that. Everybody, you know, got their own interpretations of you know what they feel, and you know that you know that's their right, and you know they can keep that you know in their car or at home. Uh, mm-hmm. working, you know, somewhere for it, you know, just because it, just let's just come here and do our jobs and um, go home. Some of y'all, you know, the other complexions can't even do that right. But, you know, that's another story. Um, but I like what you said, talking about more of Black women in leadership and, you know, overall um, our representation in tech. And, and that's what this is all about because, you know, um, I blew, I wouldn't say I blew up, like I got 30,000 followers on Twitter yet, but I have been getting my notoriety up like every day. But um, I had made a tweet about like, 
you know, I noticed companies hire a lot of black people when they come to help this. You'll see a lot of black people doing help this, but as you start climbing, you know, when we start dissipating, you know, it's not as me as us in, in, in those roles. And I was like, you know, that's one of the things that got to change. Um, seeing a lot of, they are trying to put black people over diversity and stuff, which is cool, but at the end of the day, it's kind of not changing anything. Um, most of the time we see in these companies, most of the C execs rotating from different companies and, you know, they still the same color. And, you know, they don't understand from the, on the bottom looking up is like that means something to your your black coworker and, and I don't even gotta keep it black. I say black, Asian, whatever, you know, you know, your ethnicity is, it's like that means something. You'll see somebody like you that can make it to the very top. Like you probably not gonna stay there. And I think once that's changed, it'll be somewhat, you know, more accepted and uh, and different. But right now it's Still more, you know, more of the same. A wise like kind of still a plateau you can hit, and that's why you see like a lot of us doing our own things, starting our own companies, because shoot, we can be our own boss. And speaking of that, let's segue into Read the Cyber Boss. You know what? What made you start Read the Cyber Boss? Uh, well, it definitely has changed since I first started it. Um, but I guess like on my Instagram, my social media, I used to just like give little cyber tips and help people out. And a lot of people that I just hung around just never heard of cybersecurity or a friend of a friend wanted to be in cybersecurity and wanted to reach out to me. So things like that. But I ended up making my own Instagram at the time. And, you know, I did boss of the week. I, you know, had a website and did all this different stuff and did Cyber Tip Tuesday, did, you know, different IG series. But and I used to offer like different services, like, you know, for small businesses, workshops, trainings. Um, And then I honestly just got tired of it because I felt like people just were not appreciative of it. And I wasn't just for wasting my time. I'm like, well, I'm just going to put it towards something else. So um, I actually removed my Rita Cyberboss Instagram page and I combined it with my personal page because when I I think of social media as, you know, not just pictures, but you kind of give people a, a image of what who you are as a person. And my Instagram is all about cybersecurity and um, I have Crohn's. So I'm like a, I'm a huge IBD advocate. So I put a lot of tips on there about that. And then just me, like, I just, you know, I'm the spice to people life. Like literally that's just, you know, my last name is Spicer, <laughs> but um, they need to be on a shirt. <laughs> on the spice to people life. Um, but like, yeah, well, read a cyber boss. I kind of think of that like is my alter ego when I'm talking about cybersecurity. So anytime I do like rather it's on my personal page, you know, my bio is professional, you know, I got highlights and stuff. You know, when I try to do like creative, I've been slipping hugely lately in um in my content. But you know, I'm just saying, like, you know. As work get busier, sometimes I might not be able to be on social media, but, you know, I'm definitely going to pick it back up because I have a lot of good ideas. But, um, you know, I started it because I just wanted to break the norm. I wanted to educate people in, you know, and I wanted to really just educate for the culture because we need more people in this field and we can do it. And I feel like if I had somebody like me back in the day telling me, oh, this, you know, you should get into this field, I probably would have been in this field. So I think that, you know, I want to be that voice for people. I want to break the myths of cybersecurity. I want people to get all of this stuff out their head that you got to wear a hood and sit in the dark for eight hours to hack. No, you don't like, you know, or that hacking is the only job in cybersecurity. 
Like, I want to do all of these different things that, you know, I just want to do all these different things. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, dang, you deleted your Instagram page. I'm like, I still got my website, my blog on there, all my information on there. You can still book me. But I don't do one-on-one stuff anymore, meaning I'm not going to, you know, you got to pay me. I'm not going to offer it. But, like, if a school want me or a company want me to do, like, a like a workshop or a training or an organization, I'm there. You know, or if somebody just want me to sit on a panel, I'm there. Like, you know, I want to put my time into my job and then putting, you know, my information into my content because people, my followers love that. People who don't have no idea about cybersecurity, they're like, well, okay, when your next video coming up? Like when you're like, I use a lot of like different movie clips or I might do like a lot of TikToks or reels. Yeah, saying that. People love that stuff. Like, you know, I got stuff, like I have stuff that I just have to, sit down and create because people have been like people hit me up all the time like so okay when is you doing your next stuff on your page like I haven't seen it I'm like you know but um I still have my blog I you know I got stuck on my website you know www.readesireboss.com and you know right now I blog each month because I want people to kind of focus on the content you know but when I do blog I want people to go out there and read it um I want people to you know give me their feedback comment on and share it um, and even if I hit only one person, even when one person read it, that means that I changed one person's life. And that's what all that matters to me. And that's dope, though. I mean, it's kind of. You all this. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I, I had to press it real hard. It's kind of <laughs> what I went through with starting all this is um, I, I still got my personal Instagram and I have my boxing Instagram. And now I got like, you know, a textual consultant thing. And it's it's kind of hitting its stride. Uh, the reels. Like you said, the reels. I, I did a reel on a resume tip that's freaking is still people liking it like every second. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. They, I think they get a, a insight of me. I also did it too. Is like everybody think being in this field, you got to be somebody that wear glasses, that got tape in the middle, and you know, <laughs> you just you this unattractive person, you know, that don't get like women or men. I'm, and I also did it just show my face. I'm like, nah, it's, you can be a regular looking dude. You ain't have to be, you know, I played football in high school. It's like, I mean, granted, I've always been like, at least have like, you know, decent IQ or however, you know, if you want to say I'm super smart, go ahead. But um, I just did a show like I'm, I'm a regular dude and you could be a regular person and you can do it too. Um, it's like, so a lot of even my immediate people that's in this, like, you know, all is like, you know, regular looking guys. Nobody is um, Mandar from Dexter's Laboratory. And, <laughs> <laughs> for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just um, and, oh, that is and, so true. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of kids, well, first of all, the one of the bigger issues is that, um, since it's not a lot of us, uh, younger kids don't see us doing these jobs and they don't know they exist. Mm-hmm. And so then they have other people come, you know, black people like geeks and nerds and stuff like that, which it's trying to be on a wave now, but I mean, rather just call me a regular person, um, you know, just trying to disassociate with that, with that, and, you know, in our community, in some places, and I think it's, it probably has to do with kids who don't have, the structure of other kids is, you know, they'll make fun of a kid who use proper English or who does their homework and stuff like that. Ah, you acting white and, and, and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. you see that from younger kids too. And that could, you know, make a kid not want to be all he can be instead of, you know, being encouraged. Like, no, you can, you can talk like that. You can do all that. You can have, you know, nice clothes, nice cars and you know, like they, and you'll be totally fine. So that's what this is all about. Just, um, you know, 
like you said, whether I reach, you know, a thousand people or, or five people, they'll see, oh, there's somebody look like me um, you know, on YouTube and they're talking about this job. Let me, hey, let me go find that information and ask them, you know, what is, how do I do that? And, um, you know, speaking of that is one of the things I kind of skipped over. I forgot. I meant to ask you a while back. Like if somebody wants to get into risk management or governance, what type of skills that are needed. I don't even I don't want to necessarily be like super technical and I also know like soft certain skills. software. Soft skills. Cause being a governance is really following procedures, educating others on you know how to manage risk. Um being a team player, being um you know being able to collaborate, you know, and be open minded. Um, cause you have to have patience. Everyone doesn't know what you, what you mean. Everyone doesn't know what you're talking about when you, you know, when you talk about managing risk, especially if I'm an application owner, all I'm thinking is that I'm responsible for testing the kinks out, scanning it and deploying it. I don't, I'm not thinking about managing risk. So it's just like, you know, you want to make sure that you have patience, teamwork, willing to collaborate, open-minded, be fast forward thinking. Don't, you know, always think of how you can do different things um, and how you could progress and how you can make it organized. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, just I would say like that, being able to communicate effectively, being able to um, definitely not write like APA or MLA, but be able to. When I say write, be able to document as if an executive or the CEO was going to look at your work. So be able to, you know, have some that be able to have email etiquette be able to have meeting etiquette hey facts email etiquette actually needs to be a class in college yeah because it's something you really don't learn i kind of got good at it from help desk because you gotta do a lot of emails and mm-hmm. talking to customers a lot and from ticketing and documentation made me get better at like just email etiquette but that is a big one because uh, a lot of times people email like they text it Mm-hmm. And it's it's a difference. She's like, what? Did they mean you know, I'm I i do not know, you know, what's going on with them. Um but uh but yeah, that's um that's pretty good. Um pretty good pointers. Um I believe like somebody in risk management, so I know maybe somebody who auditing probably could switch over. Um or somebody in banking or whatever type of position you think could possibly switch over to like risk management because I mean, some similarities like, there. I feel like it's flexible. I feel like the most technical person can be in risk management because that's where it starts at. I feel like somebody who's the ethical hacker can be in risk management because at least they coming over with the experience. Like, okay, this is what can happen if you don't follow these guidelines or these procedures or, you know, managing your risk and educating. I feel like it's very flexible. I mean, like, I feel like cybersecurity is just, I feel like it's such a flexible field for people to get into. You just have to take your time and not rush through it. But, you know, I feel like with risk management, you know, that's probably like, I really feel like analysts, help desk type of work is where you first get in. Then you move up to like, um, you know, like a risk, like risk management and governing documents and all of that. I feel like this is like the next step. And I feel like, after like being a risk management, you can, you can, you might can be an ethical hacker or you might can be a security architect or you might can be an engineer. You can't be an architect, engineer, 
then you know <laughs> then the architect you know what i'm saying so i just feel like you know even though um you know i take my time with this job i do a damn good job at it and you know I, I take all these skills in and you know i mean i'm a hot commodity at work there's so many people like you sure you don't want to come work for me and i'm like ah, you know i'm not ready to do that job but you know people are like I always say, oh, you know, I'm not technical enough yet. I need I still need more experience. They like, no, you you didn't know what, I didn't know what I was doing when I got this job. I made it into my own and I was able to do it. I learned the ally way, as we say. And you know, I'm gonna just keep you sound like somebody at a career fair. Yeah, that literally, I didn't even believe that, but it really is an ally way, and it's that's how they develop their culture there. And I love that they do that. They, you know, they make you feel like, okay, you know, you have turned something into the ally way, which means like you got it, you, you know, and you really taking advantage of the type of job you have and, the, and you taking the opportunities at the, at this, um, at the company. But I mean, yeah, I'm just going to still do that. Do still do the same thing. and I'm going to just keep going, keep going. I love cybersecurity. I'm super passionate about it. Um, and as I'm sitting here talking about it, I didn't got so many ideas for all type of reels that I'm gonna have to make. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because I need to make some too. But I've been, I've been slack. I've been super busy. I got some content to make. I got a resume to fix. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm about to mess with you because we gonna, you know, we gonna, we gonna get off of the the, the what's called talking. I'm gonna just message you about. Like, Wait, some, how long is your episode? Stuff. It just be going, man. You know, hey, um, you know, I was gonna message you. You know, I'm surprised you ain't you ain't in the interview with the buff song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know why you ain't buffed up? No, I'm not buffed up. Um, first of all, them glasses are expensive. Make it the and fake ones. They can't nobody tell. I don't do fake. I do not fake it until I make it. Absolutely not. Um, then, then you gotta hit them with the, the real or no people. Then when they ask you where they at, you know, you got hit them with the Buffy problems, you know? <laughs> no, it's a real deal or not. But I do want some buffs. That's going to be my gift to myself. Maybe when I pass another certification, that'll be my gift to myself. Or maybe my boyfriend will get it. You know, he probably ain't going to get All it. Right. <laughs> All right. So listen to two. Drop one. We got Sada Baby, 42 Doug, and we got T Grizzly. Who you dropping? Wait, are you wait? Hold on, you trying to name? I feel like you missed other people, but um, well, I don't. Just, well, them, them the three that that you know about that that I know about, but I would say might be. And I I try to play. I, I said them three because they are kind of like in the same vein, almost kind of not in rapping skills, but kind of some of the stuff they rap about, and maybe like widespread might be like the bigger bigger three out of well like countrywide maybe well honestly i mean i listen to detroit music but i don't listen to it every day my favorite rapper is drake so that is all i listen to like i'm not saying saying that i won't listen to like you know everybody else i'll listen to everybody else but like um you know i think detroit music is very unique i think that we put a lot of people on the map i think a lot of people you know we just real out here um, but yeah, I don't, I'm more like a type of, so most of the time I'm like an R&B type of person, like a Dre with his R&B stuff and like her and Brent okay. Iaz. You the, you the, I'm like that. And light candles type person. I'm just, 
I'm like that most of the time. And then like, you know, if I'm like, you know, if I was still going to work early in the morning, I'd be listening to all type of like rap to like get get my get my day going. I love me some Meg. I love her, man. I don't care nobody say I love me some Meg. Love me some Cardi. I love all women who doing their thing yeah. in the music industry. That up really jammed though. Up up snuck snuck up on me, but I be jamming up though. I, I jam up in the traffic. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, yeah. I love. I pretty much love like you know all women who doing their thing. Um, definitely love Beyonce. She a Virgo, and I'm a Virgo, so definitely love her. Um, my favorite singer though is no longer living, which was Aaliyah. Um, she was definitely okay. definitely I'm gone. Gonna say Whitney Houston. Oh no, Aaliyah. She was definitely gone way too. I don't long. consider Aaliyah a singer. I consider Aaliyah an artist. Oh yeah, but okay. Well, she. I don't know. Yeah, she is. But I just feel like she was gone too soon, and I, you know, she. Yeah. She definitely would be at the top if she was still living. Definitely. Well, that's debatable. That's my opinion, though. Like I have a different. Just that's just me. Like it, I. It. It would depend on how far uh, Timbo and Missy could take her. Honestly, I feel like I feel like she she would have been at the top. I mean, she definitely would have. She would have been at the I only, top. I only say that because music because music changes. So that's why music it changed, really but who knows? She you know at the time like if she was still living, the last person she was with was Dame Dash. So I'm just thinking about all the stuff he was involved in, and you know. What if she did stop music? She could have started focusing on movies and just climbing. That's up. why I think she was. I think she was getting more so in her movie bag when when she was on the way out. You know, and she was doing better uh, at the movies. Um, and speaking of movies, this is the last thing I'm leaving you with because I know um, you got stuff to do. Uh, do you watch McGraw Ave? Oh man, you know who Murder Payne is, though, right? You ain't watched like none of the hood Detroit movies like Plug Love okay. and all them. The only ones I watched was 211 and Hey, 211 go hard though. Um it was another one that I watched but um was it I buffed so, up? Nope, not buffed up. Or actually I think I did end up seeing it at a later time but I don't watch I be so into my other shows that I don't, you know, I love movies but I be so into my other stuff that come on TV now, you know that so yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you though, like if you get a chance, you ain't got nothing to do. If you got Amazon Prime Video, check out McGraw Ave. Like you, you probably like it. it. The first season is like six episodes. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, I so, um, check it out. Yeah, I, you know, like, it caught everybody storm. You had Shaq tweeting about it, like, "Hey, y'all need to check out McGraw Ave." So, it, it, you know, it's probably the best thing they did coming all the way from the bottom from how they started. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, you know, I ain't gonna hold you long. You know, I appreciate you for being on the show. Uh, can you tell everybody how to, you know, get at you and you know your website name in case you know they want to subscribe to the mailing list and, and stuff yes. like that? Yeah, um, make sure you subscribe at https semicolon backslash backslash. That's how you know your stuff is secured. Um, <laughs> readacyberboss.com, all one word. Follow me on Instagram at put spice on it. That's all one word. P-U-T-S-P-I-C-E-O-N-I-T. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Jerry Spicer. I'm on Twitter, put spice on it. Um, yeah. There you have it, folks. She told you guys how to get at her. Um, I have all her information in the description, anyways. But hey, if you rock with us, make sure you share this and like it on YouTube to help your boy get them subscribers up.
But as always, let's get textual.